You are listening to audio from Liberty Church in the Harrisburg Camp Hill area of Pennsylvania. For more information, please visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org. Let's dive right into Colossians chapter one this morning. We picked up, uh, we kicked off, I should say, our series uh, in Colossians last week talking about gospel gratitude. The Apostle Paul opens this letter to this young church by expressing his gratitude for what the good news of Jesus, what the gospel has done in them and around the world. Beginning in verse 9, where we pick it up today, Paul shifts from gratitude to intercession. And he prays some specific things for the Colossians. In particular, he prays for fullness. Fullness. Fullness is a theme uh, in this letter. Throughout the letter, Paul has a lot to say about being filled up by God. And that is almost certainly a response to some of the false teaching that's circulating in the city of Colossae. Uh, False teachers there are arguing that Jesus is not sufficient, that that if you want to follow Jesus, that's fine. But if you really want fullness, you're going to have to look somewhere else. You're going to have to add something to that. And as as you're going to hear in today's text, the, the enticement to look elsewhere for fullness was centered really on two primary things. It was centered on knowledge and power. Knowledge and power. And you're going to hear in today's text, Paul agree with that. The Colossians do need full knowledge and full power. But what Paul's going to say is that those things can only come from God. So let me pray for us and then we'll we'll dive in. God, we ask now that you would send your spirit among us as we meditate on your word and on the work of Jesus. Prepare our minds to hear your word. Move our hearts to accept what we hear and purify our will so that we might obey in joy and in faith. And we pray all of this through Jesus, who is our Savior and who is our God. Amen. Listen now with open ears to this book that we love, Colossians 1, picking up in verse 9. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse 11, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is God's word. Paul's prayers for the Colossians are focused on them experiencing fullness and namely the fullness of three things, full knowledge, full power, and full salvation. So with the rest of the time we have this morning, we're going to walk through, through those three things. So first, let's talk about full knowledge. A common tactic of false teachers is to claim that they have access to some kind of special secret knowledge. And this is still true today in our world. That's what cult leaders often will say. So different kinds of gurus, whether it's self-help gurus or, or some other kind of guru, they'll say they, they know something that you don't. That's what was true. That's what was happening in first century Colossae. We don't have a lot of details about the false teaching that Paul is confronting. Uh, we get a few more hints about it in chapter two. So in a couple of weeks, when we, when we get to chapter two, we'll talk a little bit more about it then. 
but it appears that a significant part of their false teaching has to do with knowledge. We can imagine them saying something like, Colossians, you, you need to know something else. You don't quite know enough, but we do. We do. We have this secret knowledge that you are missing. And so in verse nine, as Paul is continuing to describe his prayers for the, the church in Colossae, he says, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So a few things to note. Paul is agreeing that the Colossians need to be filled with knowledge. So Christianity does not involve doing an end around our brains. The good news of Jesus requires and involves our minds. It requires knowing things. The gospel, first and foremost, is a message. It's a message about Jesus and what he's done, but it's content that we need to understand. So it would be wrong for us as Christians to value ignorance. To, to value kind of an anti-intellectual approach to life. Following Jesus is ultimately about our hearts. It's about what, our, what we love and what we're devoted to. But as Jen Wilkin, I love how she put it, she said, the heart cannot love what the mind does not know. The heart cannot love what the mind does not know. Furthermore, the knowledge we need, Paul writes, requires spiritual wisdom and understanding. So we need the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to help us grasp this knowledge and to apply this knowledge. As many people have pointed out over the years, there's a big difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is about the, the raw content, the facts, the truths the, in the Christian faith, the doctrine and the theology. Wisdom is the skill of applying that knowledge circumstantially in the right ways, in the right times. As someone once said, wisdom is the art of living well. It's the art of living well. You, you can have a ton of knowledge. You can have a ton of raw data in your mind, but unless the spirit of God is at work, you won't understand that knowledge or apply that knowledge wisely. Which, as Paul then continues here in verse 10, is the point of knowledge, the whole point of knowledge in the first place. Why do we need full knowledge? Why do we need to be filled with knowledge? so that we can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So that we can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Years ago, I remember Francis Chan offering an illustration like this. He said, what if uh, when I was talking with my daughter one day, I told her to go clean her room? And she responded by saying, yes, that's true. I need to go do that. Thank you for telling me that. But you know, before I do that, I really want to do kind of a deep dive. Can I do a word study on the word clean? And maybe also a word study on the word room. There's probably some really good Greek and Hebrew roots to those words. What does it really mean to be clean? And, and what really is my room? Is it the whole thing? Is it just a portion of it? You know, and then I should probably get a group of people together and we should talk about that. You know, we should, we should talk about what we're learning as we're doing that study. And we can even uh, start to dream about what it would look like someday to clean our rooms. Wouldn't that be great on the day that we can all clean our rooms? We can come up with some good questions, maybe to ask each other so that next week when we get together again, we can see how much else we've, we've learned about it. And it's, you know, it's a funny example. It's kind of an absurd example, but are we not guilty of doing the same thing at times? Are we not guilty of doing the same thing? The purpose of having full knowledge is to live in light of it. We don't know things simply for the sake of knowing them. To be filled with the knowledge of God's will, as Paul writes, to have understanding and wisdom from the Spirit 
is meant to make our lives, our conduct, our practice worthy of Jesus and fully pleasing to him. Walking is a, is a shorthand way of talking about the, the activity, the, the practices of our lives. So what does it look like to walk worthy of Jesus? Well, as Paul says, it, it looks like bearing fruit in every good work. It means that, that externally, our actions are testifying to the transforming work Jesus is doing internally. It means that there's this visible outward evidence or what the Bible often calls fruit in our lives. We aren't saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. Or as Dallas Willard once said, grace, meaning the grace of God, grace isn't opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. So if, if the grace of God in our perception, if the grace of God is making us passive, then we haven't actually really understood God's grace. Grace should make us first and foremost grateful for what Jesus has accomplished that we never could have. But grace should then propel us into a life of activity, into a life of effort, a life of bearing fruit in good works. In addition, walking in a manner worthy of Jesus means, and this is at the end of verse 10, increasing in the knowledge of God. And so you see Paul is, is laying this out. It's a spiral. It's a spiral. We're meant to be filled with knowledge so that we can put it into action and putting it into action will lead to the ever-increasing knowledge of God. If we're honest, we only really know what we apply. We only really know what we practice. But as we practice it, we keep increasing in the knowledge too. And then we keep applying that. So it's meant to be this upward spiral throughout the whole course of our lives, around and around and up we go. This week, this week, I want to invite you to identify a gap in your life between your knowledge and your practice. A gap in your life between your knowledge and your practice. Perhaps you know God calls you to be self-controlled, but you're out of control in some aspect of your life, in your anger, maybe, or in your use of, of alcohol, or in your words, the way you talk to other people. Or maybe you know that you should talk about Jesus with other people. You maybe known that for a long time, that it's good and right to talk about Jesus with your neighbors and coworkers and friends and family, but you just never do that. We all have more than one gap in our lives. So that's normal. That's normal. But I also want you to see this morning that these gaps are vulnerabilities. These are the places that, that you and I are most susceptible to believe lies from modern day false teachers that we now need to look outside of Jesus for the answer. That Jesus isn't sufficient, that there's a different fullness. There is a secret knowledge out there that, that we've missed, some kind of silver bullet that we need to go find. In light of what Paul is writing to the Colossians, I want to first and foremost say to you, you haven't missed it. You haven't missed it. You do need to be filled with knowledge and wisdom and understanding, which is this lifelong process, this lifelong spiral. So this week, identify a gap. And then in light of Colossians 1, ask a couple people to pray for you, to, to intercede for you about that gap. We need to work on those gaps in our lives, absolutely. But we also need prayer about them. And that's why Paul is praying this for the Colossians. He's praying that they would be filled with knowledge so that they would practice it, so that they would increase in more knowledge. 
And we need people to, to pray like that for us. We need to pray like that for, for each other. So identify a gap in your life. Ask one or two people for prayer about it. Second, let's talk about full power. Full power. Because our knowledge and practice are so connected because we really only know what we practice. We also need to be, verse 11, strengthened with all power. Full power. The promise of power is also a common tactic used by false teachers. Not only will they say things like, we have a secret knowledge that we know that you don't, you need to know it from us, but they promise that you'll get power with that. And that was introducing this this really disturbing question to the Colossians, is Jesus powerful enough? Is Jesus's power sufficient? We know from Paul's other letters that one of the primary reasons many Jewish people rejected Jesus as the Messiah was because of the apparent powerlessness of the cross. See, to a first century Jewish person, a crucified Messiah was an oxymoron. It was a contradiction in terms. The Messiah was supposed to be a powerful conqueror was supposed to set the Jewish people free from oppression from in the first century, it would have been the Roman Empire. So how can someone who dies on a Roman cross be powerful? But Paul knows, Christians know, that Jesus has shown us just how powerful the cross truly is. It's where sin is forgiven. It's where God's wrath is propitiated. It's taken away. It's where by becoming a curse for us, Jesus breaks the curse of sin itself. And we know that the cross is also not the end of the story. That three days later, Jesus Christ emerged from the grave, that his power conquered death itself. So Jesus's power is sufficient, infinitely so. But as Paul is praying here in verse 11, we need that power, his power brought to bear in our lives. We need to be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. In other words, if we're going to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, if our lives are going to be fully pleasing to him, if we're going to bear fruit in every good work and keep increasing in the knowledge of God, we need power from God and we need power for God's purposes. And Paul then writes about those purposes, at least a couple of them, in the remainder of verse 11. We need power for what? For all endurance and for patience with joy. Endurance is is really about adverse circumstances. If we're going to endure the, the trials, the troubles, the pain, the suffering of this life, and Paul certainly knew a lot about that, we need strength, we need might, we need power from God. Have you ever wanted to quit? Have you ever just wanted to hit eject on the hard circumstances of your life? Like you just keep coming up against the same things and it's so overwhelming. You just can't fathom that you'll ever be through it or on the other side of it. And you just wanted to quit. Pastors have a a special term for this. We call it Monday. (laughs) It's okay. You can laugh. It's it's a common. We talk about it among pastors. It's a thing. We call it Monday, sometimes Sunday afternoon even. But unless, unless we live the most sheltered kind of life, right? Unless we bury our heads in the sand, the human experience requires incredible endurance. Not only to make it through hard things in life, but to make it through with our faith intact. To keep walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, to keep bearing fruit. 
Eugene Peterson writes, the mark of a certain kind of genius is the ability and energy to keep returning to the same task relentlessly, imaginatively, curiously for a lifetime. In other words, enduring as a Christian, the ability and energy to keep going, to keep walking in a manner worthy of the Lord for your whole life requires incredible power. And left to yourself, you don't have it. I don't have it. We need to be strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might, according to to God's power, which did break the curse of sin and raise Jesus up from the grave. So we need power for endurance. We also need that same power for patience. Patience, where, where endurance is more about our circumstances, patience, or to use the kind of old school antiquated term, long suffering is much more about people. People require immense patience. And you're like, thanks, Matt. I didn't know that. I never have dealt with that in my whole life. People require immense patience. Why do they require immense patience? Because we are all very much in the middle of our own sanctification. Because we are all very much still in the middle of this process of God's transforming work. And none of us have arrived. None of us are perfected. That doesn't happen until after this life is over. The closer you are to another human being who is in the middle of his or her sanctification, the more their growth, the more that process in their life is going to affect you and is going to hurt you sometimes and is going to make your life really difficult sometimes. I really appreciate and I often use the analogy of an anvil when I'm talking about this. God in this, in this analogy is like a blacksmith and I or, or you or any one of us is like a a raw piece of metal that he is going to shape into something really beautiful, really beautiful. But over the course of my life, God is is heating me up in the furnace of sanctification and then taking me out of the fire and hammering out the impurities, right? What a fun picture. It's violent, is it not? It's a violent image of what our sanctification looks like. But it's not just violent for me. Someone else is going to be the anvil. Someone else is going to be the hard surface underneath, which though indirectly is also absorbing the hammer blows of my sanctification. In marriage, your spouse is that anvil. God help them, right? God help our spouses, right? But so too are our friends, our family members. So too are those, like we talked about Epaphras last week, our gospel ministers for your sake, right? Ben LeClaire just signed up a little while ago to be an anvil for you, right? That's why Andrew said, rightly, pray for him. Pray for him to have the strength, the the power from God that he needs to do that. In your life, other people have been and are right now an anvil for you. And if you're living the Christian life faithfully, if you're in community with other people, you're going to be the anvil for somebody else. And it's going to require incredible supernatural patience. Again, you you don't have that. You don't have that power yourself, especially if it's supposed to be, as Paul writes here, patience with joy. I read that this week. I was like, are you kidding, Paul? Are you, I'm supposed to not only be the anvil, but to find joy in being the anvil for other people? Yeah, yes. And that's why we need to be strengthened with full power according to God's glorious might. It's why we need people to pray this for us too. 
So when you ask people to pray about those gaps between knowledge and practice in your life, it'd be great to ask them to pray for this for you as well. But as I was thinking about this morning, praying about this morning, I want to take in a slightly different direction with us here during this time. And I want you to just pause for a moment and think, who do you know who right now desperately needs to be strengthened with power from God? Who do you know right now who desperately needs endurance? I mean, I, like even the faces of people I'm looking at in this room, I'm like, I know a dozen of you that need that right now. Who desperately needs patience? And, and they're pouring themselves out. They're doing everything they can, but it's still coming up way short. And the only way they're going to endure, the only way they're going to have patience with joy is if they are strengthened with the fullness of God's power. I'm going to stop for a minute and just silently where we're at today, we're going to pray for the men and women that the Holy Spirit is bringing to your mind right now. I would love for us to commit to pray for that person, those couple people, their spiritual strength every day this week. I would love for us to leave this place and pray for those people every day and just see, just see what God does. But whether you do that or not, pray for them here and now. And if it's helpful, just use verse 11 as your framework. You can insert that person's name and say, God, I pray so-and-so would be strengthened with all power according to your glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Let's just take a moment and let's, let's just do that now. And then I'll, I'll pray for us in a minute. God, we, we really do need to be strengthened with your power, power that, that can change and strengthen and, and sanctify us and others, power that, that gives us endurance, power that gives us patience, even with joy for hard circumstances and hard people. Thank you that, that you, you are the God of power, that you have this glorious might, that you spoke the world into existence, that you did raise Jesus up from the grave. We ask that you would bring your power to bear in the lives of these men and women that we're praying for right now. Would you bring your power to bear in our lives? Would you strengthen us? Would you strengthen these men and women with all power today? Amen. Amen. Okay, just briefly, let's just look at these last couple of verses in today's text because praying for the Colossians' full knowledge and full power, Paul returns then to some gratitude for their full salvation. The Bible gives us a, a lot of really incredible pictures, a lot of incredible metaphors for the salvation that's been accomplished by Jesus. But in verses 12 through 14, he just goes rapid fire through five of them. So he first says, you're qualified to share the inheritance. In other words, through Jesus, all of the conditions have already been met. You are a son or daughter. You are an heir of God. You are an heir of the kingdom, the eternal kingdom of God. Second, you are delivered. 
You're delivered. In the New Testament, salvation is, is pictured as the second and greater Exodus. And Jesus is pictured as the second and greater, greater Moses, who instead of delivering us from, from slavery to Pharaoh in Egypt, delivers us from sin and death. This is actually what we celebrate in the name of our church. Liberty means freed people. It means we are delivered people. Third, Paul writes, you are transferred. Transferred. And the word actually means to be deported. You're deported. But unlike the Israelites who were deported in exile to Assyria or to Babylon, this is a glorious deportation. Okay, the domain of darkness, that used to be where you lived. The domain of darkness used to be your home. It's not your home anymore. Now you belong to the kingdom of God's beloved son. Now that's where you live. You belong in his kingdom. That's your home. Fourth, redemption. It means that you're bought back out of slavery. The price of your freedom, your ransom has been paid by Jesus on the cross. And then fifth, you are forgiven of your sins. So not only are you released from slavery, but you're released from your debt. You don't have to pay God back which is really good news because we, we never could have anyway. But all of the sin which kept us separated from God, he has removed them as far as the East is from the West. We are forgiven of our sins. So Paul here in rapid fire is setting up the text that we're gonna cover next week, which in my opinion is one of the most incredible passages in the whole Bible. But for this morning, here's what I'd invite you to see. That in a passage that is filled with prayers for the Colossian Christians, there are some things Paul doesn't pray for. Why not? Because the Colossians already have them. Because all of these blessings of salvation are already theirs in Jesus. Because right now in the middle of their lives, in the middle of their own sanctification, these men and women are already qualified and delivered and transferred and redeemed and forgiven. They already have all that. And so men and women, as as you pray for full knowledge and full power from God, as you pray that for others and you ask people to pray that for you, believe with confidence that you already have the fullness of Jesus Christ's salvation. You already have it. Ask for what you need, but you don't need to ask for what you already have. And you don't need to ask for the fullness of Jesus' salvation because through the grace and mercy of God, you have it. You have it. So today be filled with knowledge. May you be filled with full knowledge, full power for a life that is fully pleasing to God. But as you cry out for that, Rejoice that God has given you full salvation through the finished work of his beloved son. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord God, we ask now by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would help us and give us the strength to live out this message that we've heard today. Would you fill us with knowledge? Would you fill us with all power? Would we come to your table though and see this morning that the full salvation of Jesus has already been accomplished for us? And we pray all that in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Liberty Church. To learn more about our church or to listen to previous recordings, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org.